This episode is brought to you by Dr. Ethan Bregman of Sacramento Counseling and Sports Psychology. Dr. Ethan Bregman works to help individuals, coaches, athletes, and their supporters be the best they can be in both sport and life. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, be sure to give Dr. Bregman a call at 916-880-8079. Again, that's 916-880-8079. This episode is also brought to you by ESAC BJJ. Sacramento's newest Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Each one of my students is a working professional, a full-time student, a mother, or a father. My students balance many commitments to make time to practice BJJ, which is why I am committed to fostering a positive and inclusive environment. Adult classes as low as $75 a month, and we offer children's classes too. More information at eSACBJJ.com. I'll see you there. Two, one. What's up, guys? It's another episode of Life in Jiu-Jitsu. We're going to do the UFC 229 Breakdown uh, sort of informal breakdown here with um, with Mikey Hothi. Uh, hey. Back from, uh, I think you were episode number, you were episode number 10, I think. I don't even remember. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been, it's been like a year. I've been doing this for about a year. Um, back when I was in the extra room. Mm. You know, it looks better out here, I think. Oh, way better. Yeah. Um, so um, I was just hoping we could sort of like just go through the go through the fights. Um, I don't know. Did you see Quintet at all? I saw some highlights when Gordon Ryan tapped out Josh Barnett and a few others. Yeah, that was fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, I was hoping we could go through through some of the fights at UFC 229 and then talk a little bit about Quintet, competitive grappling, and then just kind of see where that takes us. Yeah. Uh, maybe for great. about 40 minutes. Um, my first note, I'll get us started. Quintet. So for folks that don't know, this is like Sakuraba's show. It's like a five-on-five grappling match. The format is... I think can be incredibly compelling, but they got to do something about the rules because they're, and you probably didn't see this, but they were like, they were giving everyone warning, like stalling warnings, like every 90 seconds. And they were like picking, like getting people up and like restarting them. And they're like restarting people in referees position, which is hella weird. Like they did that like, yeah. And wrestlers referee position. Like I think they did that to Dustin Akbari one time. He was like, was it Dustin or Munch? It was Munch when he was going against Marcin Herrig. But Munch was like in fucking like side control. And the ref was like, oh no, the, you guys are both stalling, like referee's position. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, let them work from side control. Like, huh. why would you do that? You know? Yeah. Like, and there's no heel hooks allowed, which is weird to me because, like, that's, I think, one of the most like popular entanglements right now that people want to see sort of like disputed is sort of like 50 50 saddle heel hook. And they're not, they allow other leg locks, they'll allow toe holds and knee bars but no like for some reason also people seem to think heel hooks are magical like they can be defended like just like any other submission i mean they're they'll fuck you up for sure but they don't have like any like magical properties like above and beyond like what a knee bar has or like what a you know like what a toehold has you know but for some reason like you know ibjjf and i guess quintet now are like oh no, no no you know like let the you know let the heel hook go um but yeah, so okay, so for folks listening, you, the whole team is five people. You have to be under nine hundred and forty-six pounds. It seems like an arbitrary number, but you know whatever. And there's like five people, and you like last man standing wins it for the team, right? So if two grapplers face off and there's no submission, they both are out. If one grappler submits the other grappler, then he goes on to you know down the list of the next five of the next five people. And what's really interesting is you could have like. You know, if you could put Gordon Ryan at the top of the queue, he could theoretically like sub out like whole teams. <laughs> not a bad strategy. It's not a bad strategy, right? Um, the way it's supposed to work is, and this is, I think, incredibly compelling. The way it's supposed to work is 
you submit your order that you want your team to fight in, and then the other team submits the order that they want to fight in, but you guys don't know each other's orders. So you could have like, and typically they have like, like a, like two little guys, you know, two medium guys and like one like really big guy, you know, two little guys, a medium guy, a medium large guy, and then one really big guy. But you could have like one of your little guys, you know, go against like their biggest guy. And like, that's part of the fun, right? But when they did it with, you know, Sakuraba's team versus, versus team alpha male, they like hyped it as like, oh, like Sakuraba versus Uriah Faber. So they put those guys at the top of the order, which is like, no, fuck that. Like jump, like put them in the queue. Like, let's see where, you know, I don't know. Like, you know, also Sakuraba's too old, man. He's too fucking old. He's 50. I didn't even see, did Faber take him out? No, no, Faber should have taken also Faber should have taken him out. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, there, you know, maybe there's also, a reason for Sakuraba to be out there. Yeah, also Faber should have taken him out, but uh <laughs> What does Faber have a belt? He's a brown belt. Oh, okay. Under uh, Fabio? Under Fabio, yeah. You know, I mean it's like it's like a lot of those team alpha male guys are like brown belts in you know, maybe jujitsu, but he's like a black belt in wrestling also. So like, mm. how do you really, Yeah, you know what I mean? He's like a black belt with that guillotine for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I it, it, like um, Faber had several like deep, deep toe holds in Sakuraba and Sakuraba was just like, Whoa, like hmm. you know, just kind of grunting through it. But I, I think it'd be kind of like, I, you know, don't, I don't mean this in a, in a disrespectful way, but I think Sakuraba's old enough to where he should just like retire and sit on a throne and like overlook the whole thing, <laughs> like the old Mortal Combats. You know, he should just be like the chairman. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I think some people just have a hard time going back to the sidelines, especially after being in the game, having you know that adrenaline rush of having to walk out on stage. It's hard to get rid of that desire after you've experienced it a few times i think yeah i've been very comfortably on the sidelines <laughs> <laughs> no man i've done those fight to wins and i'm like itching to do another fight to win it's, yeah it's just like a whole different level are of you gonna experience. are you gonna do the one in september it's november 17th i think that's in richmond right um, is it in richmond yeah fuck i agreed to i agreed to a match i didn't realize i was gonna have to drive out to oh richmond. No, no no i think so i heard through Marcus, your opponent, that you guys yeah. are going to... thats I think that's sub-pro tour, isn't it? So, you, whatever. You know, you, gi, no gi, sub-pro <laughs> tour, Quintus, you know, if he, if he wants to slap, we can slap too. I, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm fuzzy on the details. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, sub-pro tour, that's uh, Julio's... Yeah, uh, Julio's thing. Julio's thing. And then um, Seth Daniels is the one that runs Fight to Win. In my experience, like if I had to grade them, like sub-pro tour is a legit show. Yeah. I've been to a few of their events, but... I'd say like fight to win, followed by sub pro tour, followed by like just about everything. Else. Yeah, yeah. Are they and, different in the rules? They're um, both like they're both like judges based, right? Yeah, they're both judges based. I'm not I'm I'm not sure about the rules for sub pro tour, but I don't think they have. They're like, both like re- reps raise your flag, so basically, right? Yeah. Um, but for sub pro tour, I don't think it's on flow grappling. So. Oh, that's where the money comes. You know, um, actually, when I talked to when I had Seth on the podcast, I got to do that again. We did like a. We did like the like a like a phone podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it actually wasn't too bad. I I wish he would have been on a landline, but it wasn't too bad. And that's a way to like open up the podcast to a more national audience. But he was saying, you know, I'm not giving away any secrets because he said this on the podcast. But he was saying, you know, with the concessions and the tickets and stuff, our goal is to break even for the event, 
and and then what they pay out to the to the fighters. His hope is to like take home zero dollars from the event, and then and then he makes his money off flow grappling. I was like, well, what do you make from from flow grappling? It's like, oh, I don't share that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Well, the one that I did at the Hyatt just in yeah. in May easily had over a thousand people. Everybody's paying what, like fifty, 50 at 50, least 60 fifty a pop. Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much he's paying out to the to the fighters. Can't be that much, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you got actually, I got a few hundred bucks for it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, better than having to shell out money for all these like. IPG oh my god! Yeah, I mean. And it's something you love and you're not getting hit. It's not like it's not like old school boxing where it's like, hey, your opponent pulled out and you know, this new guy will fight you, but hey, he's twenty pounds overweight and by then you're several thousand in for your training camp and no one gets paid if you don't fight. I mean, that used to happen, and it still does. Mm-hmm. Right? Those guys on like um I think ESPN does like a Friday night fights. I think it was Dana White was saying like some of those guys take home like two hundred and fifty bucks for like a professional boxing fight. On ESPN? Yeah. Like the low, low level guys. You should start doing fight to win. Yeah. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> get like, paid hey, more. <laughs> throw on this kimono. <laughs> you know. Um, no, you you know what? I mean, since since we're on this topic, I think I think it's time to boycott IBJJF. Honestly, they're going to start making all the belts register. Oh, did you uh, hear about that? I think before it was down to purple. I didn't. Are they registering whites and blues? I think blues. Not. Yeah, like everybody. I'm not sure they allow white belts in their competitions anymore. Oh, no, really? Well, at PANS, last time I was there, I didn't see a white belt bracket, but I could be wrong. I did PANS in March, and there were white belts. Okay. Yeah, so they're going to make changed. everyone register now. Hmm, that's you know, interesting. What's that, like 130 bucks a year? Well, for the license, I just paid for my license. I got, <laughs> I got it here somewhere. It's like, I think it's 45 bucks, and it lasts one year. And what's interesting about it is that I got a... That's crazy. A, it, it kind of incentivizes you to compete more because I'm like, damn, I paid, gotta pay 45, for it. paid 45 bucks for this license. I might as well like. You might as well use it. Yeah. It's, damn, that is kind of professional. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like it, man. Like I remember when I was a kid, I heard that, you know, oh, to be a black belt, you get your hands and your feet licensed and yeah. you're a lethal <laughs> weapon. And none of that stuff is true, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but when I got licensed, I don't know, it just kind of feels... Kind of feels legit. Yeah, like a real thing. Yeah, they do a good job running their tournaments. I, um, I'm a little bit wary of like the Brazil... I feel like all those Brazilian refs are like somehow cousins with all the Brazilian competitors. And they're like, oh, disqualified. You know, it's like, fuck, dude, I got a hotel down here. I got a flight down here. Like I took the day off from work, you know. I feel like they, they play it a little fast and loose with that and... I know I'm not the only American who feels that way. At the very least, they can do a better job of managing that perception, you know, um, and the perception that they're just sort of like they don't pay out any money, right? No, I they don't pay they. out any money either, you know. Um, yeah, and I, ha- I had this sort of argument with well, it wasn't an argument, but I had this discussion with Joy. Like, I'd love to see them consolidate some of these weight classes when there's like less than five people in oh, a bracket. That, yeah. Fuck it, just consolidate yeah, it. Yeah, like, that's an interesting idea. Like, show me who the real mm-hmm. champion is, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, at some point, maybe I'll, maybe if I if I get off my butt, but I'd love to do, okay, what's the math on this next Pan Am's coming up? How many competitors do you have? And how many medals are you giving out? Okay? Is the ratio of medals to competitors 50%? Because that's not actually, you know I mean? It probably not in like probably not like super stacked, you know, like you know, like adult blue belt, probably not. But if you look at like senior men purple belt at 164 pounds, I mean, you get fucking deep in the weeds there. You might have like 
fifty percent, you know, medals to competitors type, you know, type of ratio. Does that make sense? Uh, that makes sense, but I I don't know if that applies as much to IBJJF as like Naga, where oh yeah, no, everybody no, yeah, yeah. does it, Naga I mean, yeah. has a belt, a medal, a sword. A sword. <laughs> it's gotten to the point where I refuse to do Naga, at least for IBJJF. Like maybe yeah. for the higher up weight classes or the lower ones. You know, there's probably an argument there that you can consolidate. Yeah, feel um, free to tell me it's bullshit too. Like, you know, you yeah. can you can tell me it's bullshit too. I, I think it's pretty hard to get an IBJJF medal, at least at like the bigger events like Worlds or Pans. Yeah. Um, granted, you're not in like Master Four or something, but if you take away like the higher age brackets, then you know, and then you take take away the opportunity for some of these people to like compete on a bigger stage. Yeah, like, yeah. When I was at Pans, there was like a Master Five black belt match and there are two people in the division and it's like these two 60 70 or uh some odd year old guys competing yeah 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 and i mean the fact is that they're the only ones at that division that showed up yeah but do we take that away from them i got a lot out of watching the two of them and i'm sure they did too yeah, yeah. And the audience was like full just watching that match no happen. for sure so I think there's something to be said for that. You probably could argue that, you know. But if, if you got, I don't, okay, so devil's advocate here, right? Do you know what the weight class was? Um, pretty, I don't know, maybe pretty. like above, maybe like a heavyweight or something. Yeah, or big yeah. yeah, for the heavyweights it's tough. But, you know, I don't know, why can't you take everybody above 195 and be like, all right, you got, you know. Hmm. I feel like at that age, too. You know, those aren't those aren't 20 fit pounds you're carrying. Those are, those are 20 old geezer pounds you're carrying you know what i mean you're carrying like old school weight <laughs> you know i don't know like I, I see it both ways but i would love to see i would love this and then the way they give away two-third medals you know two th- what do you mean they, they give away two-third places oh yeah 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 you go to a wrestling tournament especially so in california and i'm not sure i think it's still three people but three people in the master's division go um to to the california state tournament from San Diego. So, you know, the finals, both those guys are going. So it's actually, you know, I mean, it's still exciting, but it's, you know, it's somewhat exciting. But the third place match is like, shit, whoever wins this third place match is going to the state tournament. Like, that's fucking <laughs> exciting, man. Right? You know, I think you could do the same thing too. Like with the, you know, you could take all the third place people like, all right, you guys are all just going to wait till the end of the bracket. And we're going to do all the third place medals. Like one of you fuckers is leaving with a medal. One of you isn't like, that's so, comp- you know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. I, and then especially with the, with the women too, you know, and it's the same thing with like the old, with the old guys, it's just harder to find people that are interested in it, you know? Um, so I, I would love to see some consolidation when it's like just three people, but there's also, there's gotta be like an asterisk next to some of these medals. It's like, yeah, I got second in the world. Four people showed up, you know, like that's not truly like a world title. That's a title of people who showed up that day. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for having a third place match. Yeah. And at times it does feel like they're money grabbing. Like, uh, for example, I did the San Jose Open. Or I These signed are delicious, a- by the way, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little pomegranate spiked sp- uh, sp- seltzer waters. Um, so I did the San Jose, or I signed up for the San Jose Open, but I actually got injured. And so I tried to pull out like a week in advance. Yeah. And they were like, oh, sorry, you just uh, missed the pullout deadline. I was like, oh, that's because I wasn't injured, you know, two days ago yeah. before the pullout deadline. I apologize, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. But they wouldn't they wouldn't give me my money back, and they wouldn't even let me put it towards a different tournament. They should let you put it towards a different tournament. Like with institution, <laughs> the size and caliber of IBJJF. You know, the problem – sorry, here I am cutting you off again. 
they, they should they should let you put it towards another match, right? This, I mean, they should be able to like, there should be like a barcode on your card or something. They should look you up and be like, all right, this guy's coming to like ten tournaments a year or something. Like, let's show him some graciousness, you know? I tried pretty hard, um, and it got to the point where like, oh well, we have to allocate mat time, and this is a very professionally run tournament, and. You know, they kind of waxed on about it, and it got to the point where I was like, okay, this isn't worth the squeeze. And I'm at, you know, how many times am I going to have to try to follow up on this? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, you watched the fight. Yeah. UFC 229. What'd you think? Uh, I was pretty, pretty disappointed that Connor lost. I would have liked to see him uh, pull, off, pull off the victory and then set up a trilogy with Diaz, but obviously that didn't happen. Do you think the loss kills the Diaz trilogy? No, definitely no. not. No. But it might put it on hold for a, a little bit. I think that Diaz trilogy is probably always there. Yeah. Um, but I think Nate's probably going to want to take a fight off. You know, he doesn't want to fight somebody who's coming off of a loss. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's too bad is, did you see that Poirier pulled out? Yeah, what happened to Poirier? It's, it's an undisclosed injury. I haven't even talked to Nate about Just it. Just fucking last minute. Yeah, maybe he got scared and started training harder and, you know, pulled something or injured something because Nate was in shape for this fight. Yeah, I saw that, dude. He looked like fucking, like, super in shape, like super fit. So for folks listening that might not know, uh, Mikey is a a brown belt. A brown belt, a Gracie fighter, um, trains with Nick and Nate Diaz, um, usually training down in Lodi, but you work up here in Sacramento. That commute you do to train is phenomenal, dude. It's worth it. It's the best training around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I go out three times a week, sometimes even more if there's, especially lately. Lately, we've had a lot of really good guys coming well, through. Well, Luke the just got his black belt, and everyone's like energized and stuff, right? Yep, Lucas was there. He got his black belt. He won second at Pan Am's absolute as a brown belt, and so he got promoted. So like so reluctantly, if, like okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like okay, I guess he earned it. Well, his promotion Caesar actually was like, well, we probably should have given this to him a while ago. Here you go, Luke. <laughs> but you know that's what it takes to get get a black belt under him so that's yeah fuck dude that dude i'm overdue for a visit again over there um that last time when i rolled with luke i was like, just like good god holy i mean i was having a i felt like i was having a bad day but there's no i mean he's just on another level man yeah you know with like that traditional jujitsu style you know it's like shutting down the wrestle just it's like oh you want to wrestle you want to flatten me out okay let's go ahead come here i got my underhook got my grips yeah, and you know. he's one of those guys that just doesn't care about points. It's like, oh, you want two points? Take them because I got your knee. You know, yeah, I got, got yeah. this. Yeah, like submit you, you from side control. Doesn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. He's, I mean, he's incredible. Actually, Luke, if you ever want to come on, dude, um, he's always like flexing in the background of those pictures too. <laughs> <isn't he? laughs> if you look him up, I think he had a really good fight record too. He was on like Strike Force and was he really? Uh-huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, okay, so back to the fight. I found myself. In a weird way, kind of rooting for Connor and telling myself I was rooting for Connor for the fighters. Because I feel like, you know, like a rising tide like lifts all ships up, right? And like, I feel like there's a lot of sort of like resentment of Connor, like in the fighter ranks, you know, because um, he talks a lot of shit. I mean, he injured like a bunch of fighters on that bus. And um, there's also just some good old fashioned jealousy going on, too, I think, you know, where it's like he's getting these opportunities to make this kind of money that other folks really aren't. And, you know, I mean, we're all, you know, people are human, you know? Um, But I think he's just been fundamentally good for the sport, you know, overall, 
which I hate to say because he's like a kind of a disrespectful piece of shit. But you know, I guess that's I guess that's just the entertainment business we're in. You know. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, definitely the fighter pay where what it's out right now, you could credit it to Connor and the attention that the sports gotten. But for this fight, he did take some things too far, especially just, you know, like the whole dolly thing and the dolly thing was way too far. Yeah. And I, I, when I was watching the live show, I was pretty upset when it, cause I, you could see the guy jumping and like hitting Connor a bunch of times, but it, actually I watched a few different angles of the fight and it looks like Connor threw the first yeah. punch <laughs> at Khabib's corner. And then, you know, then yeah. they jumped him. You know, obviously none of none of it's okay, but you just feel less bad for the guy when he's yeah. like instigating, and he did take it too far in some of the some of the trash talk. So it's just it's just one of those things where like the environment that was created by the UFC, you know, had the UFC come out and punished him for the Dolly thing, then you know maybe things would have been more mild in the lead up to and even after the fight. But they almost like encouraged it, dude. They used it in, like you couldn't watch a commercial for the event without watching the dolly get thrown yeah. through the window. But then you compare that to like the whole Jesse Taylor incident back Jesse Taylor. He was a finalist on one of the seasons of tough way back when, Yeah, and he got drunk and like broke out a limo, like a window to a limo. And was like, I'm a UFC fighter and like took, uh. took it too far. <laughs> and the UFC kicked him out. And Jesse Taylor never fought for the UFC. He got kicked out of the back the, when the UFC was like the only show in town. <clears throat> yeah. And what happened was, yeah, so he got punished and boom, you know, that kind of like sent a signal. And I remember there was a season of The Ultimate Fighter where one guy like jumped the fence. Jeremy Jackson, season like four, jumped jumped the fence of the fighter house and like broke a rule. So they kicked him out, you know. (laughs) And now you look at that. You even look at like Nick Diaz missing the GSP press conference. Dude, that was a baller move, man. But how many times now have you seen like other folks step over the line and not get punished. And then it kind of like makes it okay. Oh and dude. So- I mean the classic one, you know, the classic one is John Jones literally hitting a pregnant woman with this car oh, and running from the yeah, scene of it's a good one. That's I mean, good point. dude, hit and run on a pregnant lady. I mean, you can't fucking, you know, if you wrote that into the scene of a movie, people would be like, this is too much, you know, like that, that like that would never happen. You know I mean? Fuck dude. Like, I don't know when he turned like full, you know, you remember he used to be like, oh, you know, I was such a good kid in high school. I would like snitch on the kids that smoked weed. You know, I was just always down for the good side of things. And then just like, you know, like hitting like, you know, like the DUI with like the two hookers in the car and then hitting the pregnant lady. And then like the two or three failed drug tests. It's like, dude, if you're, and this goes back to what we were talking about before, before we started talking on the podcast was like, you know, just kind of like crisis management. It's like, if you're bad. Like, own up to it. And then, like, don't try to be like, oh, no, I wasn't bad. Like, own up to it. Like, show your humanity and then kind of move on, you know? Um, I would love to see Connor sort of, I don't know. Like, there's not a lot. He, I feel like he painted himself into a corner, you know, where it's like, like, the the shit talking can only be fueled by victories, you know? At some at some point, like, it's going to sputter out, right? And then, like, what do you, you know? Chael, Chael Sonnen has, like, a really good like formula for this where he'll talk all sorts of shit get everybody riled up and then he'll be like oh the guys i'm sorry what can i say i'm human don't show, don't show up. you know <laughs> like hey, you know guys you know he got the better of me you know there's fighters honor you know we're good yeah you know i'm sorry you know um <laughs> it's like i don't know if connor can like find that in himself to just be like 
you know, I, I don't know. I'd love to see him just like look right into the camera and issue an apology. I, you know, like he should. Like, you know, it, it seems far fetched for me to think that he's going to go right back to talking shit. Yeah, well, in the DS too. I, yeah, he didn't really talk too much. I mean, I think the only thing yeah, shut up. Like, What's there left to say? Like mm-hmm. you got you got choked out. <laughs> you got choked out. You know, you got smacked and you got stocked and slapped, <laughs> and you got choked out. Like it's and there's not much to say after this one. It looks like he got pretty thoroughly dominated. Oh, dude, he didn't win a single exchange. Yeah, well, I think he won the third round. He did win the third round. It was narrow, but like I mean, like all the like the fucking every scramble, every like even the boxing exchanges, man. I was like, fuck. Yeah, he's probably concerned about getting taken down. Yeah, it was interesting. He's like he had. It almost seemed like he quit on in yeah. the fourth round because Khabib had had the rear naked choke and he didn't like push up on the on the on the elbow at all. He didn't like do much. But of course, he just maybe it was just his way out. And he just got beat up for a couple of rounds. But so. Hate to like try to couch quarterback that. No, it's okay. I mean, I think you're, I think you're qualified to, to, to Monday morning analyze. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I was actually kind of thinking the same thing. Where it's like in a, there's a very easy way out of an MMA fight with relatively little damage, just to show your back and be like, oh, just take the arm, just take, you know. Oh, he like, caught me. Oh, you he know. caught me. He did you know. that in the first Diaz fight, too. He was getting beat up and on the ground. His, and he turned, he's turned like, to his oh, belly. Yep. Oh, I his... guess I got tapped and, oh, you know, yeah. he didn't take any damage. Yeah, because but... you can't strike, the, you can't tap the strikes, you pussy. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, I think a lot of people who know kind of know that's a way out, you know. Um, especially in the Diaz fight, you know, he could have, like, turned and showed his back for one second grabbed that leg into a half guard and then turned again right yeah. but, I mean, or he could have even not gone for the takedown because nate if you remember oh, yeah. nate was like boxing up then he shot on him nate has like the best guillotine in the game yeah so he had to have you know of course it's like a split second decision but yeah. like i think he probably had an idea of what he was getting himself into by even shooting and it's probably in his mind better to get knocked out or choked out then knocked out yeah yeah or god forbid he like doesn't get knocked well i mean like does nate really knock you out with one punch or does he just kind of keep you standing and kind of kill you by a thousand cuts like i'd almost rather just get knocked out man like you know the way the you know nick and nate be it's just like a slow accumulation of a beatdown. it's just fucking like withers you over time like nick knocked out lawler nate lock knocked out um what's his name uh bailey he knocked out. He knocked out Daly. Or, didn't yeah, he? Nick uh, knocked out Daly as well. Yeah. Nate knocked out Maynard. Nate knocked that's out right. Maynard. That's right. That's right. I shouldn't be talking shit. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like those guys, those guys, man, they just hit you with so much volume, dude. Like I'd hate to like just be stuck in there, like and not get knocked out, or rather just get knocked out. And you know, especially the way I feel like Nick does this a little bit better, but he just puts you up against the cage and he puts his forehead on your forehead, turns your head a little bit sideways, and just kind of starts going to work on the punching bag. It's like fuck, dude. Like none of those are gonna knock you out, probably. But good goddamn, like you're sending sending someone back to the corner with like bruising, like all up and down both sides of the rib cage. Like fuck, dude, just knock me out. God damn, dude. Like those body shots, they do better body work than a lot of the guys in MMA, dude. MMA still still stuck in like head hunting. You know, everyone's just like going to the head. When yeah. it's like I got the sense that after like Nick did it really successfully against like BJ Penn and a few others that. Yeah. I wonder how much that influenced like Connor's game because he came yeah. in and he did a lot of the st- same stuff that they did. He you he know, did. he'd talk crap to people during fights and it almost seemed like he was following the model. And I wonder if at some point he's going to be like, yeah, you know, because I get the sense that he's like a fan of him too, you know? Oh yeah. I think uh, there's some mutual respect there. Even there's, 
even, even though they're they're kind of like have to be frenemies at least till that third fight happens yeah um did you see that tmz interview nate was like <laughs> they're like oh so you, you know who are you voting for in this fight and nate's like well i like real fighters blah 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 they're like oh so you're voting for connor he's like no double knockout <laughs> 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 want both of them to lose right. yeah. <laughs> i don't like maybe you can uh, you know maybe you can uh, <laughs> Maybe you can like illuminate me on this. It's like, why hasn't the UFC machinery gotten more behind the Diaz brothers? Like, they're fucking superstars, man. Like, they're like, they're like my, like my mom knows the Diaz brothers. It's like, oh, those guys aren't they from Stockton? Those you know those like, those Mexican boys? They talk a lot of crap, but they can back it up. And like, they're fucking phenomenal fighters. They're super witty. Like, like it's like, oh, you go down the like the checklist, right? Like, check, 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 check. Why aren't like. I, I get the sense they hold out for maybe a little bit more money than the UFC wants to pay out to them. Um, but, like, man, the UFC should be fucking, like, full steam ahead on both Diaz brothers, and they're just not – like, why? Like, it's a good question. I don't know. I've traveled throughout, you know, India and Guatemala, Honduras, and I would go and check out the jiu-jitsu scene, and there were always, like, huge Diaz fans. I just get the sense that – that the UFC doesn't like the whole anti-establishment thing. Oh, yeah. Did you see Nate's tweet? Uh, <laughs> he sent out a hilarious tweet earlier because you know how they're talking about Khabib's boy getting. Yeah, or he said like, "Don't cut Khabib's dumbass <laughs> training." Yeah. Part. Well, he was like, "At Dana White, please let Khabib's dumbass friends stay in the UFC. <laughs> Fire me. It will be better this way. I think it's more fair that way." <laughs> <laughs> That's hella, that's fucking brilliant, dude. That's like hella fucking. That's hella fucking funny. He could go to Bellator and be the main person. Oh my god! And yeah. I'm sure Bellator would promote him. However, you know, however he wants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so you know, actually, he is like an, a perfect example of like. He's. A, that's a, I laughed out loud when I read that. One. Kebab is fucking hella funny. <laughs> but he's he's a perfect example of a guy that the UFC, you know, that'd be like a fucking perfect candidate for Bellator, you know, where like, they really, like they really would put, they really would put like, you know, some machinery behind them in a way that they haven't put behind that. The UFC hasn't put behind them, you know, yeah, it almost seems like they're trying to undercut them. It's it's funny when did you remember? Did you hear the rumors of like, oh, Tyron Woodley for against Nate for the welterweight title. And then Dana no. White denied it. Yeah. Well, he was Dana White was like, "Oh, some one of our lawyers apparently was talking to Nate and said, oh, this is a possibility." Yeah, yeah that was that was. But crazy. that lawyer is the same one that set up the Poirier fight. Like it, it's it's not like this, <laughs> that lawyer is a matchmaker. <laughs> yeah, it's, these aren't different people, so it's not unreasonable for oh, it's just some random UFC lawyer to be offering a fight to Nate. He's just like Nate's main contact with the. So it's just kind of interesting to see huh. that it seems like they're undercutting. I didn't him. know that. Yeah, even for that, like the press conference and bringing him back, they, apparently they told Nate that he would only uh, be on, like, he would only be co-main if it was a John Jones fight. Huh. And so if you notice, he was like late to that to that press conference yeah. because he was, you know, he wanted to get something in right. Like, okay, I'm the main event or it better, you know, it could only be like John Jones above this. Yeah. <clears throat> and so that's the reason he was late to the thing. And then, you know, he goes to the press conference, boom, they start promoting McGregor and then it's not a John Jones thing. And so it seems like behind the scenes, they, you know, they do try to like undercut him. And- yeah. They seem to like, they seem to like fighters who just fall in line, don't ask questions, 
and just fuck all right what do you want me to do now you know what i mean what do you want me to do now or it seems like they want some degree of kissing the ring like even even with connor uh, there was that press conference and they were like connor you know dana uh compared you to muhammad ali and then and then connor took that moment to just be like look i always respect dana blah 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 like (laughs) you know know, these guys don't really do that and so i think yeah they're like fuck dana (laughs) And, yeah, so it's, it's clearly like an ego thing where like Dana maybe wants him to say stuff, and I don't know. I'm not. No, I mean, talked to him I, no. It, I think but. that you know, one thing that Connor and the Diaz brothers having common is that they don't. They seem to have a very good understanding of their worth, right? And actually, there was uh, speaking of being late to press conferences. I wanted to bring this up. the The Thursday press conference in Vegas. I don't know if you saw that one. But they brought like Khabib out first, and then Connor was late, and um, Khabib was taking all the questions, and um, and then Khabib was like, "Fuck it, hey, I'm on time. It's been 15 minutes, and I, you know, which I, you know, I have mixed feelings about. But what was really interesting, I get the sense Connor was like there and just gonna like walk out when he was ready, when he wanted, and I think a lot of people thought that Connor was sort of like cooking Khabib in that moment, leaving him out there by himself. But in a lot of ways, I thought to myself. Gosh, maybe he's cooking, maybe he's cooking Dana, you know, because like when Khabib left and Connor still hadn't been there, Dana was just like by himself answering all these questions about Connor. I think I thought like I read it as a way for Connor to be like, look, motherfucker, you need me. Like all these questions are about me. I'm not here. You can't hold this press conference without me. This is your your biggest event of the year. Where am I? Am I going to be there in the future? You know, like. In so much as it was like getting in, in under Khabib's skin, I thought it was also like a like an interesting because you know Dana's expression, like Dana was just visibly uncomfortable. He's like, "All right, where's my guy? Like, I've been selling this guy, you know, where is he? You know." And so I thought like he was kind of just letting them know. I was like, "No, motherfuckers, this show doesn't get going until I'm here." I think he does that every time too. Yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> he does that every time when people show. People are like, "Oh, I'm mad." <laughs> yeah, but when when Nick did it way back in the day, he was like the OG. Yeah. He nicked at it, and then for one of them, I think he didn't even show up. And so then, remember, they pulled him from that GSP fight as a result. And so that's really too bad. Yeah, but I mean, obviously that fight eventually happened. But it seems like I'm sure that's like a power play, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, okay, like other quick observations on this fight, and you know, I think for folks, there's maybe I would imagine some some amount of people that do just strictly jujitsu listening to this. I've actually started to discover that a lot of people that don't do jujitsu listen to the podcast. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they're just like, oh, you know, we just, I just, I've always wanted to, <laughs> you know, but um, there's a thing about boxing or really any kind of striking where, you know, it's easier to, to do it going forward. In fact, you mostly have to box going forward. You can box going backwards for what they call like boxing, you know, fighting on your bicycle. Um, that's tremendously difficult to do. You know, in in MMA, it's even more and more difficult to do because there's so many other considerations. You know, so assuming that you have to like commit a little bit of movement forward to every single strike, and knowing that when you do, someone is just going to drop underneath your hands and take out your take out your legs for the double leg, like Khabib would do. I just want folks to know, it's like, you know, when you see like it looks like Khabib was out striking Connor, even it's really more like. Well, Connor was like extremely hesitant to take that movement forward, you know, and sort of like that kind of opens up the possibility for, you know, for, um, for this, like the less polished striker to, you know, to win striking exchanges. I mean, same like an alpha male, right? Those are not super polished strikers. 
you know, I mean, not that, you know, they're not bad strikers, but it's, you know, hey, we know you fear the takedown. You can't really commit forward, but I can go forward all I want. Here I come, you know. Um, and in that sense, it doesn't have to be super, you know, super polished. Um, I worried McGregor was going to be bigger than Khabib. You know, because McGregor is like fucking giant, dude. He's like, he's like my size. You know, he's really big, but uh, Khabib was every, every, every bit of size. Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts on the fight? Not one left hand, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he didn't even have the opportunity to get anything off. It's interesting. I feel like Connor's probably better off of his back than people think. Yes. This this could be so good at putting you in his position and like keeping you in that position. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I thought I always thought that the the weakness against wrestlers thing was kind of a ruse, like for him to sell matchups against wrestlers. Because he did phenomenally well against against Eddie Alvarez, he did phenomenally well against you know against Chad Mendes. John Cavanaugh was talking about something, and he said, like, well, you know, when, when Khabib takes you down, we just kind of knew we were going to spend the rest of the round on our back, and we weren't really going to waste a lot of energy getting back up. I'm like, damn, dude, that's a lot of time to spend on your back, dude. Like, yeah. I understand the decision-making, right? You don't want to, like, burn yourself out trying to get back up, and then he just takes you down, and you're, like, worse off than you were before. But, good God, you could be, like, four and a half minutes under under a fucking bear yeah it seems like everybody else has been trying to pop back up to their feet to no so, avail yeah yeah i wonder if it's almost worth it to just concede the position and like work to, so i wonder if the ferguson matchup will be yeah a little bit more advantageous towards ferguson because it seems like tony's just like fine on his back he'll just elbow you and i, I feel like similarly nate probably like sees some of those you know, sees that, okay, I could spend four and a half minutes trying to get back up to my feet, yeah. get tired. And, you know, if I'm trying to get back to my feet, I'm not as offensive as I'd like to be. So maybe it's worth it just concede, all right, I'm going to sit in guard for the next few minutes. Let me just be offensive. Yeah, they're position. actually offensive from their guard too. Or, I mean, which might actually make them posture up and then, hey, you can pop out from, you know, you can pop out from them, from someone who's postured up and kind of away from your hips, you know. Um, yeah, did you see the, the Ferguson Pettis fight? Yeah. Holy shit, man. What a fight. I will be honest. I have, I'm pretty much, like, I've been not believing in Pettis for, like, a number of years now. I feel like Pettis had this, like, significant slump in his performance that exactly corresponded in time with the implementation of USADA testing. That's funny, because I thought the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people. A lot of people. But notably Pettis, because Pettis was a killer. He, he was out, the guy, yeah. Yeah, he tapped out Gilbert from you know yeah. from our gym. and yeah. he, he was beating everybody, and then all of a sudden the USADA testing happened, and then... Mm. Oh, I'm going to take, well. take a year off. Yeah. And it's funny, because even in this Ferguson fight, I heard uh, Duke Rufus interview where Pettis is like, oh, that was the most fun I've ever had. And he's almost like celebrating after the second round, you yeah. know, when he didn't come out of the corner. yeah. And it just, it is, it was like an interesting mentality, but I think, uh, I feel like he's over it in a lot of ways too. Like the way, the way Rufus was like, is your hand hurt? Is your hand hurt? Okay. I'm going to take you out of this. I feel like they had that like prearranged in a way. Like, like Pettis is just, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but like Pettis has been, I think doing Taekwondo since he was like 12 or something. I mean, you come to a point where you're just like, all right, dude, I want out, you know? And Rufus is like, Hey, I heard like, you want out. We got our money. You made a good show. Your hand is broken. But I mean, how many fighters have fought through a broken hand? You know, it's not like 
It's not like your fucking eyeball is sticking out of its orbital bone, or you know. Jones fought with his toe half off against uh, yeah. Sonnen, right? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of eyeballs popping out of their sockets, man. Amir, Amir Kazemi, fucking represent, dude. We're sorry, you know. We'll, we'll come back strong. Wait, what happened? Amir caught a, um, you know, Amir caught a, um, he caught a, he caught a hand, he caught a hand right to his orbital bone, and it broke, it broke his orbital bone, oh, like man. in two places. And then it gave him, he went to the doctor because he had a gash on his eyelid. And he's like, well, I'm going to need stitches for this. And then he like progressively had like a worse and worse headache. He's like, dude, I feel like my fucking head's going to explode. And he was, I would have given him a ride. It's so, it's so fucked up because like, I was like, hey, man, can you help me with the boat on Wednesday? We had to pull the boat out of the water. End of the season. He's like, no, it's sparring. I got to spar. And then he calls me. He's like, hey, can I get a ride to the hospital? And I'm like, what happened? He tells me what happened. I'm like, you know, I hate to say it, but if you'd come help me with the boat, this wouldn't have, <laughs> this wouldn't have happened. But, uh, <laughs> and he's like, well, like, I, you know, I think he was like, I can't fucking see well. So I got to take a lift to the hospital. But he went, he went cause he had a gash and they're like, no motherfucker. <laughs> he's like, you broke your fuck, your orbital bones fucking broken. And so they were like, well, you know, um, you know, you blow your nose, you could lose your eye. Because the way the pressure works and the sinuses. Who is he training with? I don't know. Some Japanese kid. But I, I wait—is that UFC fighter? No, it wasn't Teru. It wasn't. But it's another one of those. It's another one of that crop. Like it's another one of that crop. Those guys are good. But you know, I've been—I feel like a number of people have been telling Amir, like, "Hey, you have a tendency to maybe go a little hard in sparring, and you want to save that for." Oh, so you think this Amir was going hard and maybe the other person was like, all right. I think everybody was going, I think everybody was going hard, you know, but I, you know, I mean, I think Amir has a response, but I get it too. At the same time, like you want to have the confidence to be able to go into the fight because you've been there because you've, you know, sort of had the exchanges, you know, but um, I feel more and more people are, are realizing that you only have so many times you can punch that ticket and you want to save it for the octagon, you know, especially after, you know, the lay of the land, like. Amir is super educated. Like if you jump into the pocket with him and start boxing in the pocket, like you'll really, he knows the lay of the land, you know? And so you don't need to like, I don't know. You don't need to go you, like, you don't need to go hard every Wednesday, like Wednesday morning, every, every day they're sparring. It's like, you don't need to be fucking going hard every Wednesday, at least in my opinion. But then again, I'm not a professional fighter and he is, you know, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know. I feel like there's, there's a tendency there to go a little bit harder than, than necessary. And I mean, these are the results. That's too bad. I've, this is something that I've started to do is become more selective about who I train with. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so there was actually this guy at our gym, this white belt. Two times in a row I trained with him, and he, like, poked me in the eye. Like, deep, deep pokes in the eye to where, like, I couldn't see for a minute. Yeah, yeah. And the other day, at this after the second time it happened, I just was like, hey, we're not training together anymore. <laughs> like, at least until you, like, stop sp- spazzing out yeah. so much right it's like i want to train with people i can trust who i you know of course there is something to be said about having like really hard roles and yeah yeah but i don't want to get injured like yeah. uh i had somebody jump on my ankle all crazy a few weeks ago <laughs> and i was going to work on crutches like i actually went to work on crutches and Fuck, really yeah and so if you notice, I've got like this yeah, like I saw it, scab yeah. on the, uh, i got cut open the other day yeah, and yeah, yeah. so 
I just got to be selective about it because I don't, you know, I compete professionally, but yeah. it's not like my only thing. Yeah. Right. Like I've yeah, got to yeah. like show up in a suit and tie and look kind of presentable and it's hard when I'm showing up on crutches or yeah, showing up black with like eye a black eye. This thing, this thing isn't too bad, but I looked close and you do have it. Yeah. Um, no, you know what? I, I mean, I get it. Like my, uh, to my student, Darren, my fucking mouth just sealed, dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were um because you know i jump in and i roll with my students you know just to just to let them know um but uh he's like i tell my students it's like you know you want to create some dynamic tension with your legs right like you post on a hip hook behind an ink something but you got to be using your legs for something you know and so darren has a tendency to be kind of skittish with his with his legs and then he like up kicked me <laughs> and like i i bit through my tongue like not all the way through my tongue, but I bit so much I could like see like the fold, you know, like in, like kind of like in the flesh. And it was like a week ago, and like I still have the bump, but I think like the flesh wound finally closed. But um, for the rest of the round, I was just like foaming at the mouth with like blood. <laughs> and he was like, "Dude, I'm so sorry." And you know, I don't know. Like I feel like there's like I have two options at that uh, at that point and I choose to be as gracious as possible but it's not always possible to be gracious you know in a lot of ways I feel like that's kind of like your community service to jiu-jitsu is like not smashing the white belt when they do that <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is what I gave back to the dude these two fingers right here this was almost a year ago but I was I was I was with a white belt at alpha male and he had just started man he was just so excited man he like he he couldn't stop. He's like, oh my God, I can't. Was that Uriah that just walked by? Is that Danny Castillo? Oh my God, I can't believe it. Like, you know, he was like, just like seriously like starstruck, you know? He's like, is that Jabron Maciel from the Life in Jiu-Jitsu? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, he, you know, he's like, I can't, I've been thinking about doing Jiu-Jitsu for five years. I'm like, fuck, how have you been thinking about doing Jiu-Jitsu for five fucking years? Why don't you just come to, come onto the map, brother? But he was just like really excited. It was like a second or third day or something. And um, I don't know. I think we were showing something where it's like from side control you shrimp out and then they like switch sides and you try to like go over to turtle and then try to like fight the hands and get away. And it's like a no he day. And he was just like so spastic and just like freaking out so much. He was excited energy. But when he went over to tort, when he went over to turtle, his kneecap just like rolled, just like crunched, like, and like these two fingers just hyperextended, like they, like they turned into flamingo fingers for a second. And like, he felt it and I felt it. And I looked at him just kind of like seething, you know, and he's like, dude, I'm so sorry. And I was like, you know what? It's okay, man. That one's on the house. <laughs> I don't want to like ruin your desire for jujitsu, man. But it's like in that one moment, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't go to church. I don't do community service. I, you know, I provide mentorship to my younger friends where possible, and I, you know, I don't do a lot of, like of giving back to the community that I should, but. That one serves on the house, man. That's <laughs> that's what I gave back today. Is not fucking smashing you for that, because dude, I when I wake up now, these two fingers like they might just hurt for good. Man. Like, they, just, they just might hurt for good, man. Like, <laughs> I was at jits today, dude. I was like trying to grab a key with this hand. I'm like, fuck, man. It's still it's almost a year ago. Yeah, you know, like you do, you do have to be a little bit more. Sl it's weird though how like people. Like, you know, they, they have this, like, old Brazilian saying, like, most dangerous for the black belts is the white belt. And there's something to be said for that, man. Like, even my students who I've had for, like, like my three- or four-month-old students, you know, that are um, – some of these some of these guys are starting to, like, really know what they're doing. It's, like, really – it's really um, rewarding. 
but like I almost felt like it was harder for me to roll with them on their first day and some they've learned more but it's like easier for me to deal with them now mm. you know because they're like going into the exchanges right but these are exchanges where I know how to win you know what I mean but it's like in the first couple of weeks I had to like tackle like tackle them and get on top of them and hold them down and like grab an arm you know um as opposed to now it's like i can kind of just like throw up a submission it's a little bit more proper and easy to deal with you know yeah absolutely i think this kind of applies uh the whole like maymac fight and mm-hmm. how connor would come in they oh, he's not the boxer so he doesn't have like the standard movements because yeah. the fact is that as you're coming up within like a martial art or any sport, there are certain things that you're taught. Yeah. And so the two, you know, us is like the more seasoned, you know, uh, practitioners of the sport, we kind of know what everybody's taught. So you kind of learn to expect In that rhythm, right? Yeah. Yeah. Certain expect you expect certain movements. And then after a while, uh, you know, everyone just kind of follow, starts following those movements. And so if you're a white belt, just coming into it, some white belts will just tap no matter what and others are just coming and flailing and crazy and they don't know what's what yeah yeah yeah. and so you know it might be a more bruising match than if you were to go against a blue belt who's been doing it for a couple of years but yeah no it's totally true i mean um robin black i think doesn't say a whole hell of a lot of insightful things but he said this one and this one stuck with me you know he said you know one thing that he really respects about connor is that he's kind of like a master of like hacking the like disrupting sort of established patterns and and, you know what he meant by that was like well if you think about it like you know uh stand up mma or even muay thai you know i throw a leg kick and i land one like 90 percent of the time what happens you throw a leg kick why like why is that the right thing to like i throw a leg kick then your response is like why not a jab why not a cross why not like why not a million like why is it like when i throw a leg kick then you throw a leg kick like it's just this like you know and we see a lot of that in jujitsu too you know like i'm not sure what the what the direct analogy would be, but it's fucking real for sure. Right. Where it's like, all right, we're all like, there's these like patterns that I think almost people use as crutches that give us security. So for that reason, I do kind of like, I do try to be selective about my training partners, but also only to a point because I do believe in like, um, kind of having to like, like wrestle the wildebeest down. Cause I feel like in, in, in other, I feel like that keeps you sharp and like, and it keeps you like martial in a way, you know what I mean? It keeps you like, it keeps you like rugged in your spirit. I remember like, I used to like really like going with Sage Northcutt, you know, I still do. But when he first got to Alpha Male, he got there because he wanted to shore up his grappling. And, you know, we're about the same size. Um, not the same. He, doesn't he fight at like 170? Fuck, dude, he's so big. Oh. He's so, have you seen the video where he's bending the frying pan with his hand? He's got like a frying pan and he's like, look, check this out, guys, you know, like all happy. And he like grabs it and he like bends it in half. And then with his fingers, he like rolls it up into a taco. Does he call you Mr. Maciel? No, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure he knows my name, but you know, we roll sometimes. We're good partners. Like I'm a little bit more educated in the proper, gra- like in the proper jujitsu. <clears throat> not to say I'm better, but I just, I'm just more like just a little bit more technique. So I don't have the savage points that he has. You know what I mean? He's got, he put all his training into savage points, like for, for the ground. So, like, for me to get something, I have to, like, grab them, hold them down, try to pin everything down really tight, and then, like, everything's got to be super proper for me to get anything off on Sage, you know what I mean? And then for Sage, it's like, he, he gets to learn the rhythms of someone who is, you know, a brown belt in jujitsu, you know? Um, but, you know, I love that because he's, you know, like, he's probably like a white or a blue belt, although, he, dude, he's getting really good, man. Like, I'm not sure I can still say that he's getting really good, but, you know... 
you know, you see someone with that build, with that athletic, he's so fast twitch from all the karate and the explosion. You know, when you try to put him in something, he just like sprints out of it. What's your response to that as a grappler? It's super hard to deal with, you know? Um, so I, I kind of like it, but yeah, dude, I'm like today, dude, I grappled today at noon and it's just like, I felt like every bit of 31 years old. Man. <laughs> like, that's like your physical prime though. You know, you're it's really so, you know, that's what I keep hearing. I'm, waiting to, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping to start feeling it. <laughs> oh man. Any other thoughts on these fights? Not really. Are you going to compete outside of that sub? pro tour coming up yeah i think it might be time for me to have another season of competition i just you know the last two grappling competitions i had i lost and i think i might even have like a if i were to add up all my like certainly from purple belt on i've had like a really losing record and for a number of reasons i think just one i just don't train that hard for competition i just don't give a fuck man like i don't know i keep toying with the idea of taking an mma fight or like a boxing fight like that just really gets my blood boiling and like when i think about like jujitsu i love it Obviously, I'm passionate about it, but I also, um, I feel like the gamesmanship of jujitsu, of like grappling, like, I don't know, like I would get on top of you, I'd start slapping you. I'd get on top of you, I would po- keep myself postured up and start ground and pound. Like, that's what, you, could like, always, you could do that, um, the EBIs. I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that. Josh Neer just, so he's been at our gym for the, the last dentist. few weeks. Yeah. You watch his, uh, his match on EBI? No. How do you do? So it's that one where you strike, what's it called again? Uh, combat jujitsu. Combat jujitsu, yeah. yeah. Um, so he went up against Nick Green, who's a really tough competitor. He's a black belt under yeah. Ralph Gracie. Yeah. And technically on the ground, you know, he might, like, if it was just a gi jujitsu match or something, maybe he'd have the advantage over Neer. But. Yeah. Near just came in with Nier's the Nier. hardest smacks I've ever seen. In a com- <laughs> I've watched a few of these combat jiu-jitsus, yeah, yeah. and I've never seen strikes as hard as Josh Near. He was just like winding up and coming down, and he ended up tapping out Nick Green in the first round. <laughs> and then in the second round, I think his second round opponent was like, okay, I saw how hard he smacked, so I just got to like play high guard and he was just avoiding at all costs. Yeah. And then once it got to the EBI overtime rules and he was able to outpoint near, or he just got held him in, in the arm bar back, you know, position for longer. So he didn't even finish Josh near, but you know, there, you could do one of those. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm in, I'd love to do one. Eddie, Eddie, if you're listening, man, put me in coach. Um, yeah, I, I think I'll probably start doing a little bit more grappling competition just to keep myself honest, keep myself fresh. I don't want to just be like, just to coach um but it doesn't like competition jujitsu doesn't if i'm gonna be on it doesn't call to me in the way that other things call to me man i took a boxing fight when i was in bali and fuck that was so much fun dude i mean you know that i I don't know like that's that felt more real to me for some reason not Mm -hmm. that i'm not trying to talk you know i'm obviously very passionate about jujitsu but i just feel like the you know liking it to surfing like it's not um you know, they do like competition surfing and it's like the dumbest thing ever where it's like, you know, the waves don't, you don't get the same wave that I get. The waves don't come in, you know, and then like the weather turns bad. Then you have to like go out and, you know, cause you, you schedule it. Like we're going to do it at three o'clock this day. Well, the waves might be two feet, two feet big. So they try and go like compete on two foot waves. And like, it's, you know, Vance does this really cool thing where they just like drone. It's called like a jam session. It'll just like drone footage for like three hours. And like, all right, all of you guys just, you know, just surf for three hours in this beach that we got set up for you guys. And whoever gets the biggest wave will give an award to whoever gets this, you know, the most soul in the, in the session, you guys get an award, but it's not like a, it's not like competition in heats, you know? Um, I guess long way of saying it's like, yeah, competition jujitsu, 
the pulling guard, I just, you know, I really think you should be penalized for that. I wish people would like contest it on the feet more. So I feel like that's an important part of, you know, of self-defense, certainly. Like, you know, like I teach my students, like, you know, best for self-defense, don't allow yourself to get taken down, if I'm going to be honest. You know, best for self-defense is like if you do get taken down, you get, get right on top and you can disengage. So we got, you know, uh, we're going to teach a lot of like positional grappling, you know. But, you know, at the same time, it's like where, where in the rule set do you reward position in a way without turning it into a full-blown gra- into a full-blown wrestling match, you know? Um, well, maybe you can find an organization that adheres to the, that rule set, or yeah. you can even try to create your own. Yeah, I try to create my own, um, or I could just like stop being a pussy and jump into some competitions. <laughs> you know, I, I really, I really should. It's been a little while. My, my, it's been a year since I competed. Yeah. Well, even if somebody's pulling a guard on you, showing, you know, you've you got know. like a strong top game. Maybe. You know, yeah. Yeah. I just, out. I just had a bad show. I mean, you know. um and no, nothing, dude. Shiloh, you got me fair and square. Nothing, you know, nothing, nothing against. Shiloh. No, but he got me fair and square. I had a bad day. I wasn't mentally there. I didn't have fun doing it. You know what I mean? Hmm. And that, that's just, you know, that's why I've been a little bit reluctant. What's funny is I rolled with both of you guys yeah. extensively, and I feel like you guys have a very similar style. Yeah, it could be the sort of thing where he's better. Than me. <laughs> <laughs> it could be the sort of thing where he's like better than me at what I'm good at, and that's why you know. But uh, you guys black belt. Yeah, dude, dude, he he should come. You know, if he if he promises not to triangle me in the living room, he can, <laughs> he, 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 can <laughs> he can come over and come on the show. Yeah, he's a real cool dude. He's been around forever. He started training with uh, Steve Heath way back in the day, and so he knows a lot of the guys at our gym and yeah. they train together. And he's always been really welcoming to me. I've gotten oh, some good roles in with him at Waza. No, he's a cool dude. He wanted to talk to me and like be buds afterwards. And I'm just like, dude, I don't think you realize how bad of a day I just had today. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, well, that U.S. Open's coming up on November third. I think I'm going to do it. Yeah, maybe we should do it together. It's, it's on a Saturday. It's on a Saturday. That's Brown the thing too. Is Saturday. like you know, I, I I teach on Saturdays now. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. brown boats don't go until like late afternoon, early evening. Oh fuck, maybe we'll, maybe yeah. I'll do. Yeah. So that's coming up, and then um, Seth Daniels. I, he said he way back when he said he was coming out for fight to win again in either December or January. Nogi Worlds is in December. I think I might do that, and then. Yeah, so it looks like we're about to just head into busy competition time. So. It might be time. It might be time. I got to reconstitute my body. As you know, I weigh too goddamn much. How much um, you weigh? Like 200, 210. So like 225. <laughs> <laughs> Jiu-jitsu no. weight. Uh, yeah, no, no. 15 okay. pounds heavier than what you say. You 208. 208. <laughs> 208. 208 point something. <laughs> 208 and like something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> put you yeah. on the scale like, the Japanese had some fuck the Japanese were the Canadians I think it was the Canadian jurisdiction had some fucked up rule where it was like it, it, was, it was a Nick Diaz thing Nick got all pissed off about it it was like a it was a fight at 170 and the Canadian I think I think they made the rule on the spot for GSP but the, the Canadians came up with this rule they're like unless it says 171 he's 170 170.9 170 170.8 170 unless it goes up to the next whole number we round down, you know, from point one to point nine. We round down. Yeah, and if you don't give fighters a heads up that that's happening well in it's advance, it's bullshit. Yeah. It is bullshit, dude. Because he probably had to cut an extra pound. For he, was that. Hella, he was hella pampered. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I got to get back into competition. It's tough to balance training for yourself with teaching, mm. and right now I'm only teaching three days a week. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, I got to get the fuck out of here. I got. I got to go teach my class. Uh-huh. Um. Cool. Uh, Mikey Hothi, thanks for coming on and uh, breaking these fights down with me. Um, you gotta come on more. Yeah, likewise. Cool. Thanks, buddy.